0: Welcome guys to the Memorial Day podcast, episode two with me and Jim back in the van. I don't know if we really clarified in last episode that we were recording these podcasts in Jimmy's van, but when I said van cast last time, that's what I was referring to. So welcome to the second podcast. I really appreciate all the feedback that we got from a lot of you guys. Um, I really appreciate the people that reached out. And even if you uh, just said like you liked the podcast, it was really cool to, hear people to actually listen to it and see the numbers stick up while we're going.
1: Yeah, the the amount of feedback I got was also insane. I wasn't expecting the amount of people to actually listen to it that actually did. So it's really exciting to see everyone and uh, yeah, unexpected people listen to it, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, we got a lot of support in there. That was really cool, like seeing on the platform that me and Jimmy posted the podcast originally and then once we got it on the other platforms, but the main host platform that it's on, Shows me where the people have downloaded it from on a map, not like specifically, just like vaguely, but it's really cool to see like around where like people are downloading from. Um, so yeah, it's just really cool to see people supporting and like. So like
1: just their house, not their room. Yeah,
0: not not in not where in the house, but just like street okay. address, yeah. Social, okay. That type of thing. So. Yeah, that's alright.
1: So I wanted before we get into the main content, I wanted to ask you. So I've been seeing a lot of. Uh, Josh the Otter Stay Safe Around Water stickers. One today, one yesterday and like in the past couple weeks, just a couple more. You used to have a shirt. Um, is this a cult? What is this? <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. I, I... <laughs> the,
0: the Josh the Otter Stay Safe Around Water. It's an organization um, so when I was younger I had a shirt that I wore um, that I got from one of my family members who was actually part of it or worked at one of the fundraisers or something like that. Um, But essentially it's this family who when they had a small child, they didn't teach water safety to their kids and they didn't really practice like paying attention to where your kids at all times, especially when they're around water and making sure that they have what they need to stay safe. Like there is a chance that a kid will try to go play in the water without a life jacket on because they don't know. And that's the ultimate reality of it. So I think that's really what it's about is just spreading awareness of like, if you see those stickers, like it does make you think like, Hey, what is this about? So I think it's cool that you actually saw those and like gave it thought, but yeah, it's a really cool organization that like spreads awareness to making sure that water safety is followed and that keeping people safe at the end of the day. Cool.
1: And that's not an ad. (laughs)
0: Not an ad. We're not paid by (laughs) Josh the Otter. Probably a nonprofit. I'd hope. (laughs) But yeah, so today for today's podcast, me and James decided that we were going to get into um, some unsolved and unknown mysteries today. So me and Jimmy decided that we were going to take two each and we're going to tell each other about it and you guys are going to experience the conversation and learn along with us. So it'll be pretty fun
1: today. Really excited.
0: I know. I'm really excited too. Me and Jimmy both have some pretty interesting topics. So I think you guys, I think you guys will really like it. And uh, just to clarify before we get started. Uh, these are just ideas and theories. Me and Jimmy are obviously professionals, and we're not stating these as facts or anything. So, just want to get that out of the way before we get
1: started. Yeah, that's smart. That's really smart. Um, I can go
0: first if you want. Yeah, Jimmy, knock yourself out.
1: So we'll start. Uh, this is a current, um, a current unsolved mystery. Actually started in 2016, uh, in uh, Cuba. So, uh, it's called Havana Syndrome, or that's what they. They call it right now, uh, because the first cases came from Havana, Cuba. Uh, the CIA had uh, they had uh, some operatives or whatever you call them in the embassy in Havana, and uh, the first two cases, uh, these guys or girls, I don't actually know who, <laughs> but uh, they uh, they had some headaches, and uh, they they said that they heard some like weird noises and then the headaches uh, just started happening. So, um, and since then, since 2016, like over 200 cases have been coming up across the world now. And uh, the symptoms are like concussion-like symptoms without having, uh, without getting, they call it um, immaculate concussion because no, no impact, but they have the concussion symptoms all right, so yeah, two hundred cases so far, and it's kind of crazy because uh, every case is different. Uh, some people feel like uh, when they hear the sounds, or the sounds even aren't even consistent. You got high pitch, low pitch, clicking noises. Um, some feel like, uh, in quotations, when they got when they heard these sounds, it like hit them. They could feel it from like their left or right side, uh, and then the. Uh, the feelings were amplified like in a window versus concrete so uh, some like think it's from the outside and uh, yeah and like I said all across the world now um, but only with like CAA people in US embassies it's happened to and then some uh, cases from Canada as well so those are the facts uh, and so main thing you can so possible theories are which are The first one is people call it crickets they are crickets uh these these crickets have like super uh high frequencies and um this this theory kind of fades away after uh, it goes international outside of cuba um because not not crickets aren't in every place where a case was um but uh another one is mass hysteria uh so, you know that, you know about how, ma- explain mass hysteria.
0: Yeah, mass hysteria is like an understanding of something that's going on in the world, um, like among CIA agents, you'd say. So, if one CIA agent got sick and was presenting a certain symptoms and then felt a certain way afterwards, if other CIA agents presented certain symptoms and then felt a certain way afterwards, they might connect the dots and think that they have the same thing when in reality, it could be completely
1: unrelated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 one of those. Um, yeah, that's a theory, and I think that's totally true.
0: Yeah, it definitely could be. Like mass hysteria is
1: definitely. Th- another thing is uh, this is some some of my theory uh, that I don't I don't I don't think is actually true, but it's another theory I thought of is these uh, these CIA guys and girls they're they're under a lot of stress, and so. Um, they're either wanting to find a way out, so they see like, oh, if I just say I have a headache or something, um, I have some concussion symptoms, which are hard to, um, hard to disprove that you don't have them. You can just because uh, like the government's like compensating some of the families that have like gotten the Havana syndrome that have experienced. So yeah, these it's symptoms. an easy way to get out if you're in high stress. It's or, always
0: it's always interesting when you have so little cases and every single case has different symptoms. Mm-hmm. that it, it's just interesting to see these families being compensated i'm not saying mm-hmm. it's not happening but to get the government compensated you you have to think that there's some truth into what's being said then maybe they're not releasing all the facts about what's happening but it is it's definitely interesting that it's gotten to the point where these families are having to be paid by the government for what mm-hmm. happened
1: yeah and then another one um contributed to, I think, mass hysteria is it's called functional disorder. Have you ever heard about that? Mm-mm. So, what it is is, uh, so like um, with stress, your brain uh, it may damage itself sometimes, and uh, one guy I heard talk about it is how it's like a detour, and so you get used to taking a detour, which is like the wrong way to do it. Your brain takes a detour. And so, um, eventually over time, you get used to doing the wrong things, and Uh, yeah, so the brain trains itself uh, wrong, and so uh, when, like, when the thing that caused the injury goes away, you're still left with um, the resulting pain Mm -hmm. and injury. Yeah, so uh, maybe people have um, they've gotten injured in different ways, but yeah, then it goes back to the mass hysteria where they think they just can tag a name to it. Uh, They may have headaches, you know, everyone gets headaches, but Uh, they can just tag a name back to to, uh, Havana Syndrome.
0: That's true. Another point with that, though, is that if truly, like, following the possibility that they are being affected in some sort of way by who knows who it is, Cuban government, another Mm -hmm. government, regardless, say that they are, who knows if maybe it is scrambling their brainwaves. So if you follow that theory, and you might be right that it is, their brains are being trained the wrong way, but it may be because it scrambles some of their electric connections in there. Messes with some of their brain wave paths, and who knows, they could mess some things up if you start messing with the electro frequencies of people's Mm -hmm. brains. So,
1: yeah, and then um, this gets back on uh, to like, yeah, maybe this was caused by an outside organization. Is uh, uh, have you heard of Moscow Signal? Mm -mm. So, (laughs) this this is kind of like a a Moscow Signal part two. Uh, So, Moscow Signal. Uh, it happened from 1953 to uh 76 uh it was in moscow the u.s embassy and uh the the moscow well the russian government they supposedly uh put listening devices in the u.s embassy in moscow and they used microwaves to uh energize or to like power the uh listening devices and so like when you blast microwaves, it's there's a reason why microwaves are Faraday cages, yeah. uh, so nothing goes out. Yeah, these these U.S. officials were just getting blasted by microwaves for microwave radiation for like twenty over years. <laughs> years so they're yeah. Just, oh, poor guys. So yeah, and uh, um,
0: back when the U.S.S.R. had no chill.
1: Yeah. And ETA so would just
0: murder for no reason.
1: Yeah, and we're seeing kind of like the same same effects here. Uh, People, I mean, U.S. officials specifically in U.S. embassies getting sick, and uh, a lot of like public public officials have, uh, they've they've said this is an act of war, and, which is which is scary because, um, yeah, I'll get I'll get on this later. But um, going back to uh, different causes on the outside uh, organizations, so the different. Uh, be- specifically microwaves so you have microwaves uh, millimeter waves which I've never heard of before mm-hmm. and then ultrasound so these are the three different um, types of like attacks I don't know how to explain it but yeah attacks that you can use uh, that use like waves uh, I'll start with ultrasound so a lot of people think it was ultrasound but um, ultrasound can't have an air gap so like when the the pregnancy, yeah, that's um, one has to touch the skin. yeah, it has like that gel so there's no air in between. Uh, that's the only way ultrasound can work. So there would have to be something touching the individual. Yeah, you'd effect. have to like physically be like on the individual and, interesting. um so that that theory kind of falls away. Uh, millimeter waves. so these have actually been used before uh, as crowd dispersing uh, devices or whatever. Uh, they can only go skin deep because they're so small. Uh, so yeah. What what they do is they cause, like, itchiness, and so, um, yeah, they've been actually tested before, and they, they've used them to, like, disperse crowds. That's uh,
0: crazy. I've never
1: heard of that, but... Yeah, that's another theory that kind of falls away, because since it can only go skin deep, it can't really... Uh, oh, and I forgot this. It People have had brain damage from this. From millimeter waves? No, 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 from, like... Oh, Havana Syndrome? Yeah, Havana Syndrome. That's crazy. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe they've already had brain damage before. We can't really. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say because CIA agents aren't really the most uh, safe individuals. I yeah. assume in the field of work that they're in.
1: Yeah. Um. And then lastly, the microwaves. But um, the thing with microwaves uh is, like, we don't know. I mean, to be the to be um, to be a murder, it has to be a murder weapon, and we don't even know. I mean, the US is, I think, generally the most technologically advanced, I mean military uh government. I mean in terms of like military Yeah, we
0: hold the chip on our shoulder that we have the best military in the world regardless. Like we tout that around and that's the only thing really protecting us from anything
1: coming towards us. Yeah. So I mean a safe guess would be if we don't know what the weapon is, there's probably no weapon. Uh so um yeah, none of these none of these theories have actually like have all the uh dots connected so it's kind of insane still it's just like a mystery and Trump administration talked about this Joe Biden administration talked about this Uh, yeah we're still in
0: the middle of this case so this is something that's currently like still being investigated yeah like people are
1: probably on this today that's six
0: years ago that this started and it's still happening today so that means there's still people being affected by the Havana syndrome Mm -hmm. that's crazy that they still don't understand what is happening Mm -hmm. to these people and if it's actually causing like brain damage to the point where people are having to be compensated by the federal government these are severe cases that are happening so yeah I'm surprised that there's not more concern and maybe because it's only affecting high profile individuals but if this was turned on the public this would be a serious problem
1: it'd be crazy
0: you would cause so much distress to the general public and there would be nothing that the government could do Mm -hmm. because they don't know what it is or how to stop it
1: yeah and then this leads us to the last, uh, theory is it could be an inside job from the government. Um, you know, we've, we, we can always trust the government that they'll never mess with their, civilians. Oh yeah, they
0: never do anything to people.
1: Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, uh, um, I could see this happening. Uh, I'm a pretty big conspiracy theorist. I'm Me not, do. I'm not, uh, concluding that this is the case. Um, because why would they test? They probably test on civilians, you know, not on their high-end officials.
0: And maybe they have. Maybe they're maybe. just. Maybe people aren't connecting the dots mm-hmm. out in society.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so uh, that leads me to my conclusion. So, um, since this is so new, I don't see this any anytime soon, uh, especially since the Moscow signal lasted twenty years.
0: Um, it took the like government 20 years to figure out what was going on in yeah, that embassy yeah. so I wonder I wonder how much effort that the homeland actually puts in finding out what's going on in foreign countries to yeah. their to their employees and their uh, their government agents mm-hmm. or if they kind of just let the people there try to figure it out themselves
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that'd be interesting to figure out
1: yeah and uh another takeaway I have is uh I've already like I said I don't like how these public officials of power are accusing people and concluding, like, final statements, saying this is an act of war because they don't have all the information, unless they do, um, but they're telling us they don't have all the information, but they're still concluding that this is Russia. So I just don't like that uh, they're doing that. It'd be interesting if somebody would put
0: in, like, a Freedom of Information Act on, like, Havana Syndrome or, like, a certain case and see if the, you could get anything from the government on specific information that was going obviously a lot would be redacted because it's like against HIPAA for certain things. And that's why, that was another thing when I was, that I've heard that's a problem with trying to figure out what's actually going on in Havana syndrome is that it's really more hearsay on a lot of this information because there are laws that prohibit people from just telling all medical information that happens. So whether it's, law that's prohibiting the truth from coming out, or it's the government withholding information, that's, it's crazy that this is still happening, mm-hmm. and that we have no clue what's going on.
1: Yeah, because each case is different. Like, if we found a consistency, maybe we could figure something out, but we have yet to find a consistency in this.
0: Yeah, and there's so many variables that go into what is happening on foreign soil at an embassy that mm-hmm. you can't really, you can't trust almost anyone in those situations when you're there, but yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I've heard about Havana Syndrome. I think I remember hearing about it in the news when me and Ethan did speech. Shout out to you. Oh, uh, yeah. Back in high school when we were researching the news and stuff, that there were some interesting cases going on with CIA agents. But I didn't know the depths of, like, the fact that they had no clue what's still going on six years later. That's that's crazy. Yeah,
1: I didn't know about this up until like three days ago. So
0: <laughs> that's. I wonder how many other people, let us know if you guys had heard of, of Havana Syndrome. Yeah, because this is,
1: yeah, this is like current.
0: Yeah, this is something that's currently going on, so that'd be interesting to hear if you guys had heard of this before. So thanks, Jim, for giving you your first one. Um, now I'm going to switch off and we'll go mine, and then we'll go back and do it all over again. Sounds good. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is actually, now that we're exiting this pandemic that we've been in for the past couple years that everybody's been affected by. Uh, I'm going to talk about a forgotten pandemic that's happened in the world that not a lot of people know about. And that just like Jim was saying that I didn't even know about till three days ago. So this is called the sleeping sickness or, um, encephalitis lethargica, which is a form of encephalitis. Um, it's a disease or a virus that attacks the brain and causes swelling Um, But the scariest part is actually what happens to the victims after they're affected by the disease. Um, So the pandemic actually occurred between the years of 1917 and 1928. Um, More than half a million people were afflicted in America alone. This was a worldwide pandemic that was going on. So when we're talking about a pandemic that's been happening in the world, like a lot of people bring up the Spanish flu, but we don't even realize that there are other pandemics that have happened in the world within the United States' lifetime that no one really talks about. Um, So, like I said, sleeping illness uh, started in Europe, and it began to quickly spread to the rest of the world to epidemic levels. Um, About a third of the people who contracted the disease died. Damn, I've never heard of this before. Yeah, so this is like a crazy illness that's just tearing through the world, starting in Europe, and just spreading like no other. Um, Half of the remaining survivors... This is the scariest part about the entire disease. Half of the survivors were left physically incapable of interacting with their surroundings at all. So that means that they could not physically move or emotionally interact with their surroundings. But their entire personality, intelligence, and who they were as a person was trapped inside this vegetative state of a body. That's why this illness is sometimes referred to in the pandemic and those affected are sometimes referred to as uh, sleeping statues because they were physically immobilized and incapable of interacting with in any sort of way. But on the inside, they were full people who had their mental capabilities intact and remained that way throughout this time. And the saddest part about this whole thing is that most of these individuals are left in institutions because back in the day, they didn't understand the depths of what we do today about those who are affected by mental illness and mental disability. So. They didn't know how to take care of them, so a lot of them were just left in these places where they were ran by insane people for the insane people, and there was no care. Very terrible places for these people to live. And these individuals who people thought were just vegetative individuals at this point were fully aware of what was happening around them and could feel mental and emotional pain without being able to relay it to those around them.
1: Could they feel physical pain as well?
0: I don't believe so. I think most of their pain was just emotional, watching everything happen Uh, on the outside.
1: I think that'd honestly be, like, the worst torture ever. If someone made me not able to move.
0: So, occasionally, these individuals were capable of limited speech, eye motion, and laughter, but it was on occasion, so it was, like, a couple times a day. So, like, randomly, they would just giggle, and then they would go back to their, like, state. So, like, for all people knew, they had they were gone. Like, there was nothing left of these people. Dang. So, nobody realized this until about the 1950s when somebody went to one of these insane asylums to study patients that were inflicted by encephalitis lethargica, and he started to realize that these people were actually, like, there. Like, he was seeing signs that they were interacting. So, the first thing he did to see this was he actually got a rubber ball and he would throw it to them. And it sounds like messed up to throw a ball at these people, but they would catch it and throw it back to him, and then they would go back. What? They would literally stop in their tracks, catch the ball, like they were sitting down in a vegetative state, not interacting with anything. He would throw the ball at them, they'd sit up, catch it, throw it back to him, go back.
1: Wow. So So he's
0: starting to see these slow progressions of like interaction and like signs of life within these individuals who people had all thought – was gone. So this doctor's name was actually Dr. Oliver Sachs. And then the way that he described the particular disease and the way that it spread was like a thousand bonfires going off at the same time.
1: Hmm. So it's not like it
0: just like popped up in Europe and then slowly spread. Like it popped up in Europe and then instantly it was around the world in a second. Hmm. Um, so common symptoms of this disease are obviously like before the people were Inflicted with the statue part of the disease. Uh, It was attributed to lethargy, sleepiness, um, and other symptoms, once it got more severe, were related to Parkinson's disease. So they would get tremors, uh, difficulty eating, and doing other daily tasks. Um, And the saddest part about this whole disease is that Dr. Oliver Sacks went on to explain that one of his patients, Leonard, went on to describe Uh, the sleeping illness as the rigidity of insanity had previously only been known to schizophrenia.
1: Wow. So it's,
0: he's explaining that as he is so close to, on the brink of insanity, yet still saying it at the same time. So this patient, Leonard, that I just mentioned, uh, Dr. Oliver Sacks in his documentary mentions that he obtained the ability through years of loneliness and lack of human interaction to animate pictures. So he had this picture of like an old Western painting and he was able to sit in his room in his chair and make it move and do scenes at his whim.
1: So as in like in his mind yes, in his mind, he was able to
0: like make these movies for himself while he was sitting there. So this was before this Dr. Oliver Sacks was actually able to identify these people Having these inner, like these real life personalities, that like they're not in these vegetative states; they're just stuck in their bodies. Um.
1: I got a question here. So, uh, what do you think was the reason why they could react to the ball? So, going back a little bit, why could they react to the ball? So it was thrown at them.
0: Going back to the cause of the disease, it was a virus that attacked the brain, and after it attacked the brain. In those cases that people were affected by the statue illness, their brain swelled to a point where it was almost too big. But in most cases, those people often die. Well, these people didn't. It went down, but there was enough damage that it left them without the ability. So it attacked part of their uh, cerebellum, but it also would reach down and cause tiny lesions on their spinal cord. So that's what left them in these states. So they weren't able to communicate, but they were able to think, um, feel, and do all these other things. So when you looked at the brains of the people that were afflicted by this disease, you would see pink cells, and then you would see in the middle of these cells, you would see black. And that would represent the death and the necrosis that had been going on, um, that the disease had caused in the brain. So when it swelled up, it caused brain cells to die. And those don't regenerate ever throughout your lifetime. So when they were gone, they were gone. Well, what these doctors were able to start figuring out is that if they were able to give these individuals um, this drug called L-DOPA, which was essentially dopamine that they were giving, synthetic dopamine that they were giving to these patients, they were revitalized to their abilities of before they were sick. So Dr. George Cordius had a... Had a resounding success in curing the symptoms of Parkinson's disease when he introduced this drug of L-Dopa. Well, this Dr. Oliver Sachs began to think, well, a lot of the symptoms of uh, sleeping sickness and Parkinson's are closely related to the tremors, the spasms, that type of thing. So he's like, I wonder if the miracle drug of the age is what it was coined with. Um, He wondered if the miracle drug would work with his patients as well. Uh, So one, one day, Lola, one of his patients, was released from her catatonic state that she had been in for over two decades. That's twenty years of not being able to move. Dude, I'm
1: I'm twenty years old.
0: <laughs> That's literally your entire life of not being able to do anything up until right now. She was, and at this point, Lola had been in the state for so long it had regressed to a point where she was unable to eat. She couldn't swallow, so she was slowly dying. And then at the point where El Dope, she was able to eat. She was walking up and down the corridor having conversations with the other patients, uh the staff, and she was fully comprehending what was going on around her, showing that she had not mentally diminished at in the slightest throughout the
1: two decades. Which
0: is actually incredible.
1: So I may have missed this, but what is L Dopa? It's
0: essentially I believe it's synthetic dopamine. They didn't okay. really go into it and I didn't research it thoroughly. Um, but it was, the way they talked about it was synthetic dopamine. It okay. was like a shot of dopamine. But the problem was, is that a lot of the patients, it wasn't just Lola. Um, there were other patients who, there was one patient who wasn't even, Hester, who wasn't even able to roll in bed. Like, that's how bad she'd been immobilized. Uh, after three weeks of L-Dopa treatment, she was able to leave the hospital for the first time and go out to a diner and eat by quick, herself.
1: That's a quick turnover right there.
0: But the pro, and there were a bunch. Many other patients whose personalities and the understanding of their awareness around them began to come back um, in a way that people, other people could see through this L-DOPA. And it was great for about three months. And then after three months of taking the drug, they started to build a tolerance to it. And the doses of L-DOPA wouldn't work to suppress the symptoms any longer. And they actually began to get worse once this L-DOPA mm. uh, withdrawal began to kick in so like there was a almost a heap of more problems that were created by L-DOPA than it actually saved uh but it did give life to a lot of these patients for the entire summer of 1969 like they were able to walk and experience life for the first time in over 40 30 years for some of these people like entire chunks of their life were gone and yet a lot of them weren't bitter they were just happy with the chance to um, experience life again, but a lot of them had trouble coming to terms with their new reality, especially Lola. So when they came back and they were able to communicate, they were she was talking incredibly well, but she was still stuck in nineteen twenty nine when she got sick. So she was referring to individuals, uh, things that were happening in nineteen twenty nine, like it was currently happening, and she couldn't understand that she was almost forty years older, and that she had been gone for that time like it to her nothing had happened since 1929
1: so then it must not have been as bad so maybe their time preference it was like a dream kind of right or um that's the time preference was what lowered or elongated but leonard
0: said that after he was able to get eldopa and after he lost that experience that um, he essentially like lost his will to live after that because mm-hmm. he had been re- so many of them had been reminded about what it had been like after so many years of being trapped in this prison. Essentially, is what he described it as, as a prison of flesh and bone, and he was stuck in his head. And no one, but the thing was, is that people were actually able to communicate with him now. So Dr. Oliver Sacks cared about these patients, and he generally worked to try to help them. But many of them ended up just dying in these states. Like there wasn't enough innovation during those times to save these people. So a lot of them died of starvation and just it, it's generally really sad. But the overview of what I wanted to bring to the table was that this is a pandemic that affected millions of people around the world in the early 1900s. And we have never heard about it.
1: Yeah, I've never heard about that up until three days ago.
0: <laughs> and it is a such a scary disease. Like think about if COVID Caused you to be trapped in your mind forever,
1: dude. I'd be, I, I would be shooting people
0: if they went Ma- in my yard. Dude, mask mandates would be enforced by this <laughs> civilians and not by the government.
1: Yeah, like well, yeah, there would be no, there would be no question of no. If you're not wearing a mask, I'm shooting you. Yep, because I'm not getting that. Nope, I'm not being trapped for thirty years. Yeah,
0: that is, oh, it's so scary to think about that happening, and I have trouble trying to get through like a 3 hour plane ride of just sitting there by myself like i can't imagine just having to watch my life go by and not interact with anything that happens within it like i have no control in the slightest of what goes on yeah
1: i i just know that i mean if i was there for 30 years in my own thoughts i'd probably i'd be insane i'd sure. have like 300 friends yep yeah. um that don't exist yep i would definitely be schizophrenic and they would be they'd be awesome people oh yeah like I mean, they would we, love we definitely me. They would hate, love me
0: unconditionally. I definitely
1: hate one guy, probably named like Bob or something like that. Yeah, like that, like that Bob dude.
0: He's a, he's just a jerk. Yeah, like nobody likes Bob. Like he always comes around and he just talks too much. Hey, Bob. Everything. It's gonna really be nice. What's going on, Bob? Oh yeah, man. It's nice. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh, what do you got? Oh, tonight?
1: Oh, sorry, man. We're busy. Dude, are we trapped right now?
0: I don't know. We might oh, be. Not. We
1: sound a little schizophrenic right now. Yeah. Well, who is the one trapped? Is it me or you? Maybe we're both trapped. Maybe the vans are mine. Oh, we're in this we together. We're in the metaverse. This is the meta. This is just
0: me and you and the van. Is the meta? <laughs> That'd be pretty interesting. What do you? What's your take on the meta? What do? Dude, you, what's your opinion on meta?
1: I, so. Facebook in the meta, their ad for, meta is, the stupidest thing ever. So, first of all, no old person that actually works a job in an office will care about the metaverse, besides very small amount. The only people who care about the metaverse are the young kids, and they've never, ever been in an office where they go to meetings. I've never been in an office, and I see that. I'm like, dude, that's a stupid ad. Why don't we, like— And you're going to have a poker table of people playing cards. How many, how many
0: people who play cards are going to hop on with their VR headset and play cards? Yeah. N- no one like yeah. you you're not drinking and playing cards with your VR headset or smoking a cigar with your VR headset like no nope. have you seen in some of the
1: metaverse they have like vapes really yes they have dude. metaverse vapes <laughs> so then i i don't even know how to i don't even know how to explain that i
0: don't know what that is like i and there, so there are people in the metaverse now that are metaverse real estate agents i saw this dude, guy that's the stupidest $14,000 in a month From being a metaverse real estate agent, it's not real property. It doesn't have any value right now. Yeah, like there is no structure that makes sure that that property means anything long term.
1: Yeah, there there may be like one or two that succeed, but how many are out there right now that if you want to make like a a profit, how many do you have to invest in? I've my brother
0: knows people who have heard of people who work in the metaverse for like. 30 cents an hour. But like they just do it because it's fun. I mean fun. it's better than 0 but cents. But they make an hour. like McDonald's burgers in the metaverse <laughs> and like people come buy McDonald's in the metaverse. Yeah. But I I can't believe there are people out there who genuinely spend real money to buy a fake house that's worth that's worth thousands of dollars in a virtual world. Yeah. That baffles me.
1: I would I would only go into the metaverse if it's something like the Matrix, where I can just shoot up at... Okay, I'm not actually wanting to do this, but, like, dude, when when, when Neo and uh, the other girl, they go into that uh, that area, like, that to, you, like when they go save... Uh, in that dimension. Mor- Morpheus. Yeah. Dude, like, that would be dope. Why don't you make an ad where you're, like, on a... Dra- like, flying a dragon. How about you make
0: a real-life Jurassic Park in the metaverse?
1: Yes! Not... You
0: have somebody... Re- you have archaeologists... Look at the best fossils that you can find. Recreate real dinosaurs in a virtual world that we can see and interact with. Yeah, that would be cool.
1: Like I, I don't want to go to the metaverse. How
0: about you make a game where, or how about you just take games that people play now and make them VR games? Yeah, like that is the easiest thing. Like you Call can of do. Duty, dude. Everyone. No, we don't need to make Call of Duty. <laughs> Those things. Yeah, kids. Anything, with... anything that's VR, anything that's virtual, killing other people. I'm not about unless it's like. The only thing that I would say an exception to that would be, like, a prehistoric game. What about Fortnite? (laughs) I would not want to play VR Fortnite, dude. Actually, it's cartoon characters. Yeah, I I, I mean, I
1: don't play any of those in the first place at all.
0: I don't mind Fortnite. I think it's definitely ebbed and flowed in what's good about the game. But I I think it's got some value that still hangs on.
1: Yeah. I just, I can never, like, people go to the metaverse to escape, which I don't. That's why I don't like the Metaverse. I think there are better life, ways to But why would you escape your job to go back into your job? Like, yeah, there's no one will ever go into the Metaverse. Maybe they will eventually, but to 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 work. The only seen. way that
0: I could see that being enjoyable is that if you had a group of friends that ran like a McDonald's within the Metaverse. Like, yeah, that, that would be cool. But that'd
1: be fun, yeah. That, would,
0: that Like, it would be interesting to do. Like, it wouldn't yeah. be something that would... That you would mind doing throughout your. And, like, it would be essentially like you just hopping on a game and playing a. running a McDonald's with your friends.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think they're definitely catering more to, like, the virtual reality instead of, like, what they probably should be focusing on, which is, like, making fun video games yeah. that people can play. Like, Ready of-
1: Player One.
0: Yes. Stop trying to make it so realistic, dude. Nobody wants real life. If we want real life, I will go outside or I'll wake up and experience my day every single day. Like, I don't need to experience real life doing something. I want to feel something that I can't experience in real life. I want to be able to fly. I want to be able to ride a dragon that doesn't exist. I want to be able to be something that doesn't exist like a dragon. Like, that would be cool. That would be something that I'd be interested in.
1: Yeah, and
0: not being a robot that passes cards in the metaverse for 50 cents an hour. That does not interest me.
1: Yeah. What so um like what if we get to the point where you don't know where um like if you're in the metaverse or not. Like it gets so realistic. That's that's, gonna, that's scary. scary. That's, like that's I mean, matrix that's matri- stuff. Yeah, yeah
0: literally. <laughs> we're thinking the same thing. Like we're getting scarily close to what the matrix talked about like day by day. Like, the innovations that people are making, the ideas that are being talked about, like, it is insane. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that are coming through in technology in the next few years. Like, we thought growing up in this age was crazy. Just wait. Oh. Wait until people start chipping their heads and start being able to uh, pass thoughts without moving your lips or having to, like, think about the passing of information that would be so flawless. Like, you would know exactly what I'm thinking and what I'm trying to say without having to move my mouth or mess it up. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't have to. You would think one time, like you don't have to think about what you're gonna say and how you're gonna say it.
1: Yeah, I I love to think about how far we've, uh, technologically advanced. Like if you zoom out and just take, like, the past hundred years, a hundred years ago, um, how was how was information nineteen twenty two. Yeah, what, like, what was our method of That's delivering the information? The
0: twenties, people were just partying and racking up debt. Yeah,
1: and like we, the best way to send someone information was like and now a what letter. What
0: are we doing in the twenties? Partying and racking up debt.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Hopefully the thir- hopefully the thirties isn't going to be a repeat of hundred years ago. That would be unfortunate. <laughs> But the signs are kind of pointing that direction.
1: Yeah, we just got off topic there, but I love it.
0: I love it too. I think it's good for us to adventure off a little bit. And... Yeah.
1: Um. So, so I think Tim, do you want to get back
0: into your second topic of the day.
1: Yeah, dude. I, I love this topic. I uh, at first I chose it and almost switched, but then I I mean I got a little deeper into it and, um, I I hope I can convey this, uh, this through my head because this is such a cool. Um, unsolved mystery here. So, uh, it's the case of Dan or DB Cooper, uh, and I'll explain the DB part. But it's it's Dan Cooper, and this is the only unsolved airline hijacking to date in the U.S. in the U.S. Um, which is nuts.
0: That is so crazy.
1: Yeah, and this happened in
0: 1971. Yeah, and hijacking that happened in the 19th. So. There was a hijacking in the seventies, and then air flying was still cool. Like there were no restrictions after that. People are just like, eh, he
1: mm-hmm. got away.
0: He must be all right."
1: Yeah, they was probably still allowed open carry on the plane or whatever. I don't know. I, I mean, I wasn't. <laughs> You're still allowed to smoke on the plane <laughs> yeah. back in the yeah. 70s, they, so. they, they part of this is actually him railing some darts, dude. Uh, so this happened in Seattle. Well, at least. He got on the they plane in departed Seattle. From Seattle. Yeah, departed from Seattle. Yeah, departed from um, Seattle. So, yeah, this this dude in sunglasses, uh, business attire. He gets onto the back of the plane. Um, he buys a ticket for $20, it was back then. And um bastard. I know, dude.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: in the 70s, man. I know. Um, so, yeah, he gets onto the back. He gets to the very back of the plane. That's usually where the flight attendant sat. Um and this man gives a note to a flight attendant, and honestly, starting off, this is my favorite part of the whole entire story. Uh, this might be the only thing that went wrong according to his plan. Is so he gives this note to a flight attendant, and she like smiles and puts it in her pocket and like walks away. And so I like to think of like what happened when that. So the note was, "I have a bomb sitting next to me." Pretty much. Yeah,
0: but then um, she
1: just smiles yeah. and walks away, so he's so, like, no, no, Yeah, no. like, he's probably thinking, like, dude, they're not taking me seriously. I literally have a bomb in my bag, and, like, I'm going to have to blow this plane up, or uh, something like that. And then she's probably thinking— She's calling my bluff, and what do I do <laughs> now? Yeah, she's probably thinking, dude, this is the fifth guy this week that's this f- giving me his phone number is a wife and kids. I don't want to. I don't want to. join to the Mile High then, Club here. I'm not trying to do that. I'm gonna take
0: this note and I'm gonna walk away. Yeah, because this is the
1: '70s. Yeah, and so after a little bit, he's like, "Ma'am, you need to look at the note." <laughs> so she reads it, saying, "Hey, I have a, I have a bomb sitting next to me." Uh, so and on that note, were demands. So two hundred thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills. Um. And he specifically said in American dollars, uh, which was funny. I don't.
0: Which is interesting for somebody who is a. If you think of a citizen, you generally wouldn't say, "I want." What was it? Two hundred thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah. But isn't it like equivalent to like one million?
1: Uh, today, yeah, today actually. So it's like
0: one, it'd be somebody asking like one million mm-hmm. dollars. But. So they'd be like, I want $1 million in 20s of U.S. Yeah. dollars.
1: Yeah. So we'll talk about that later and why he may have said that. Um, he also requested four parachutes. And um, and then so on, he was going to, like, where their uh, flight ended, they had to refill and then fly again. And he claimed he was going to go to Mexico, uh, Mexico City particularly. Which was odd too. Why would he say where he's going? Claim very, mm-hmm. very specifically where you're headed. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. And then like, the flight crew. I mean, they've they've never experienced this before. This is one of the first cases ever. So they're like, and he he opened his bag and there were like red bars. So like dynamite, yeah, so pretty much. Like they just instantly complied. There was no, like, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't try to do any. There was hero no fight things. or flight. It yeah. was
0: cooperate and stay
1: alive and he like the only people that knew were the flight attendants and uh the the
0: captains yeah
1: the yeah the flight crew and um they were like the only ones who knew it like up until the passengers were off the plane so um yeah I don't want to get too far ahead of myself but um yeah so they're like just like conveying, like they're talking. The flight crew's talking to the FBI down there, and uh, throughout the entire flight, they're just getting prepared for like to meet de- to meet the demands. Um, and so, yeah, the the passengers get off. They have no clue. One guy actually, so while like the FBI is like surrounding the plane, uh, this guy actually runs back because he forgets something. That's how oblivious the people were. So, uh, they
0: have actually no clue. Yeah. Like, like not even a
1: hint yeah, of like, trouble. Like, just think, if you're an FBI agent, you had your guns ready, and or you're Dan Cooper, you look outside, see some guy just running back, you're like, oh, time to blow up the plane. Here goes, um, here, what is this guy doing? Yeah, why is he running back? So, the, yeah, they're pretty oblivious. Um. So, yeah, after some delays, like, with, like, refueling, obviously, like, delays, yeah. they're trying to plan out something. They also mark down every... I don't know if it was every bill, but most all the $20 bills of the 200000 the serial numbers, so they could track it. Yeah, track
0: where the interactions or where the transactions were being made.
1: Yeah, and so... Um, yeah, the demands were met, and they take off, and... Uh, so the parachutes, there were two military parachutes that were um, on... You couldn't steer them, and then there were also two, like... Uh, flight pair. I don't know. Like, um, steerable parachutes. Legit parachutes. Yeah. One, I think got messed up. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but yeah, one may have been messed up or the, the backup parachute was, was messed up on it. So, uh, yeah, they're flying down South and, uh, the, he knows what he's doing. Uh, he, he tells them, uh, the only question he asks is how to, like, open the back hatch to, like, you know, jump out. Jump out. Uh, other than that, like, they asked him, do you know where the oxygen mask is? He knows He knows all about the plane, um, which is... Like he had planned it out yeah, very thoroughly yeah. And, beforehand. Yeah, so... And, like, back then, like, it was pretty hard to... Like, if you knew something, it's not like it's on the internet. Yeah, you can't
0: look up how the plane's built. Yeah. Like, you have to have generally probably inside knowledge of how the plane is set up in order to know where all those
1: things are at. Yeah. So that was also, dude, this whole thing's interesting. I'm sorry, but that was interesting. Uh, so, um, yeah, the door open, uh, he opened up the door, uh, and he, oh, he also said, uh, keep the plane below 10,000 feet. Um, like certain things, like at a certain speed, uh, just, like, specifics on how to fly the plane. <laughs> so, he's telling them how to fly the plane here. He's telling him how to do that job. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, back door's open. Um, it's a really stormy night, which I think he probably planned that. Intentionally. Um, so, they had, like, planes falling behind, but they couldn't see anything. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, when they land, eventually, he's not in there, obviously. Uh, jump. Yeah. And then, um, so... They start to the search. The media overheard um, an FBI agent talk about it. And one, well, like, a reporter heard DB. And that's why everyone knows him as DB Cooper. Because it was, like, the next day, Leaked to the every news. news outlet was, like, DB Cooper hijacked a plane instead of Dan Cooper. So that's what um, that's what people called him, DB Cooper. And it was Dan Cooper, actually. That's interesting. Or at least the name on the, the ticket. Um, Yeah, so... The There was only one clue that was found, and this was 10 years later. Uh, $5,580 were found upstream in uh, a bank, a river bank called Tina Bar. So 15 miles upstream of the supposed landing site. That's the only clue they ever found.
0: And wasn't it by, like, a kid in his family? Yeah,
1: it was a kid in his family. So... Like they
0: just found the money, like, hidden?
1: Yeah, um... So and the the crazy thing is was upstream, like, so and the FBI claims that he died. Uh, that's their claim to this date, because it's unsolved still. He he died upon impact or whatever. Instead of admitting that they got bested yeah. by Dan Cooper, aka DB Cooper. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They decide that you know what, we're gonna hold our heads up high and we're not gonna we're not gonna take anyone. He's dead. Mm-hmm. He got away.
1: Yeah. So then. I mean there there were a lot of suspects. I think there were like over 500 different su- no, that's totally wrong. Over 300, at least over 300 different suspects. Um I think I got three suspects here that I don't believe any of them, but they definitely could be true.
0: Do you have a suspect that you believe?
1: Um I don't. I don't think that a suspect was ever questioned that it was actually him. Um If I had to guess, uh I'll, I'll say later here on which suspect
0: let me know at the end which one that you would which one you think is yeah most probable.
1: Yeah. So um so the first suspect is William Gassette. Uh so he was a self described daredevil, uh also a survivalist, and he claimed to be Dan, but D B Cooper. Um so the time and place where he was matched, uh, like in Seattle. Um, sorry, I'm reading off notes here on this, the suspects, uh, the description was like, cause this was, the claim was like very far, like after he after. died. Um, and so the description was okay. Uh, and the way, like the way people said that William Gassette acted was like the same way that Dan Cooper acted on the plane, like pretty calm. He was calm the entire time never raised his voice that was the way that william Gassett acted uh at least that's what people said and the only reason why people think that he uh, he was him is because he told his son on his 21st birthday hey i have uh i was the one who i was the one who did this and i have two keys here to two different uh security boxes in vancouver and that's where the money is but the money was never like the security boxes was never verified um, and the whole thing was just, it was all storytelling. It's, it's sketchy. Yeah. So like it a lot of like after this... the fact, so, you know, all the information, you can make up a story with the information. you're. Talking. Yeah. You
0: can, you can fabricate, you just happen to be in the same town when mm-hmm. that happened.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but the thing about Canada, um, oh, I haven't talked about, so Dan Cooper was, a Canadian comic book character, and he was a daredevil, a pilot, and a skydiver. Uh, so he's
0: recreating a comic book character in this hijacking of yeah. a plane in the seventies.
1: Uh huh. So this goes back to him demanding American dollars specifically. Um, said he was going to Mexico. C- like, why would you ever tell someone where you're going? Hey, I'm going to Mexico City. Never mind, I'm going to Canada. That's like, that's what I would do. Yeah. Um. Try to get him off your trail. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then... Forgot the last thing. But, yeah, like I said, the security deposit boxes were never verified.
0: Sounds like an old guy that was kind of talking up to his kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it left from Seattle, which is pretty close to... I don't... I think it's Vancouver, right? Okay, yeah. So, Seattle, Vancouver, pretty close together. That's one suspect. And... Uh, that's all right. That's believable. Uh, you can believe it. Some of the things
0: match up. Mm-hmm. Some of the things don't.
1: Yeah. And so, this guy, William Smith, the next suspect, is the one that I think he's the most probable His most candidate. probable. Uh, so, getting this out of the way first, he looked exactly like the drawings. Like, uh, I mean, we don't, um, we don't have any pictures to show you, but if you look up uh, William Smith, Dan Cooper, like, the the side-by-side pictures are exactly the same. And he looks even... He looks just like him, like, 30 years later, too. That's crazy. So, um... Yeah. And the reason why I think he's most probable is because... Well, this is some... He was not listed as an FBI suspect, which is kind of weird. This uh, somebody who looks identical yeah, to the Yeah, he looks suspect. exactly like him, and he's not an FBI suspect. Uh, he owned a railroad business, um... Which you know, railroad business was the main way of um of. uh, Moving how do you, main way of
0: moving product yeah
1: that and uh travel main way of transportation there we go, uh and then airlines you know they're a new way they're faster cheaper more effective yeah because in the
0: seventies, like commercial flight was pretty regular but it wasn't like as Mm -hmm. open as it is today
1: yeah so he had some some money problems. Uh, and maybe he contributed that to like the airlines. They were taking away his business. Uh, also another thing. So since he owned a railroad business, he was pretty close to with, with metals. And uh, DB Cooper left a tie on the plane, and on the tie there was pure titanium on the tie. And you know, I don't think I've not ever been very exposed. many
0: individuals are exposed. Yeah, yeah. So pure titanium. Yeah.
1: Um, the only thing. And this may be why the FBI didn't list him as a suspect is because he was never in, like, he never lived in the area. He only had, like, family members that were in the general area. Uh, and so, yeah, that's... Uh, that's interesting. I wonder if I
0: wonder if he had an alibi.
1: Yeah, I never actually... There was one guy who had an alibi, like, he was with other FBI agents at the time so no way Um, yeah I think this was him William Smith oh and all these suspects are like decorated military they're they know planes so that's also another reason well yeah you
0: have to if you're gonna hijack a plane and steal money you're gonna have to have experience in Mm -hmm. some sort of capacity Mm -hmm. so like it would make more sense for him to be have some military experience and background especially skydiving from a plane in the 70s
1: yeah Okay, so those are actually my only two suspects. <laughs> wow. Oh, and also, I forgot to mention that he chose the non... So, uh, it was a pretty windy night, and but he still chose the non-steerable parachute, which was a military parachute, uh, which is interesting.
0: Was it designed as a non-steering parachute? Or yeah, it they... was designed. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, that's interesting. Yeah, that would be... That is significant that he chose a parachute that can't be steered, yet mm-hmm. somebody with military training would know how to
1: navigate
0: yeah. safely down while using one of
1: yeah. those. Yeah. Um, so I have no claims on a single person, but this is my take here. I, If I would guess, I think that he was, uh, he knew Canada. I mean, he may have been like a Canadian citizen, um, or he was familiar with Canada more than America. So, yeah, like I said, he said he was going to Mexico City. Um. Uh, The flight was from Seattle. Money found upstream, not downstream. So, I think, um, I'm not totally sure, but I'm pretty sure, like, every river flows generally south in America. So, like, the I upstream... Think
0: I think it's opposite once you pass the Rocky Mountain.
1: Oh, okay. Um, so, then, I don't know, but... On each
0: side, I think it runs differently. I think okay. The rivers run differently on each side, because I think if you, there's a certain mountain... In Colorado, I feel like if you cross, that the rivers run opposite ways. Oh,
1: the uh, I don't know what you what there's is called. there's a certain
0: it's there's a name for it, yeah, I don't remember what it's called,
1: hmm. but Nobody uh, yeah, so and then Dan Cooper was the Canadian comic. Uh, the so the reason why there I don't think a suspect was ever found is because this guy was so surgical and precise. Sorry.
0: Continental Divide. Continental is what it's called, Divide. By the way, yep. River, yep. Rivers flow different sides on each side.
1: Yeah. So the guy was like, everything he did, he did it, like precisely. I also forgot to mention that he lowered the drapes, um, when they landed, so that snipers couldn't take him out. Um, so yeah, everything he did, uh, so he did. He asked for twenty dollar bills. Twenty dollar bills are like, like, they're pretty low key. Like no one really. If I gave you a twenty dollar bill, you'd never guess. Like oh, a lot this of people guy... aren't
0: going to verify the yeah. truth of a twenty dollar bill. Yeah,
1: and so that was pretty smart of him. Uh, he was, uh, the entire time calm. He he never like raised his voice or anything. He was just smoking cigarettes. Uh, and so also another thing is the FBI claims he was dead, but a body was never found. Like they searched the area for like. 10 years and a body was never found like that's multiple
0: teams multiple yeah. years of work which probably means multiple heads of leadership which yeah. means there's definitely no body
1: yeah so um and also so the guy smoked cigarettes and he traces of hair both of those were lost in evidence
0: so this is pro- this sounds like an inside job yeah this sounds like something where some dude was showing off got away with it
1: yeah Um, yeah, so my takeaway is that he planned everything, uh, or he had help from the FBI. Yeah. What do you think?
0: I think it's entirely probable that your idea that he got helped by the FBI is true because there are so many people, like, if you look into Charles Manson, Charles Manson was helped by the FBI. If you look into, um. Ted Kaczynski, he was messed with by the CIA, turned him into who he was. You look up a lot of different scenarios in which the government messes with American citizens for research or for personal gain. It would not surprise me in one bit if this was somebody in the FBI that wanted to gain a little bit of money in a quick way and knew that he could get away with
1: it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's 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 D.B. Cooper, Dan Cooper for you.
0: I've never heard of this story. And to yeah. think that, like, it's the only unsolved airline mystery that's happened in the United States and that no one talks about it. Like, all these other things happen on airplanes, but we're not going to talk about the guy that hijacked the airplane and stole $200,000 and disappeared. Mm-hmm. That, that's crazy to me.
1: Yeah. A lot of questions, a lot of questions. Lot of question and that's what I love about these unsolved mysteries, conspiracy theories. You always have something more to question. So, for my final, my final point, this is this is pretty out
0: there. This is a conspiracy theory that I've heard of before, and that you know it's fun to entertain some of these sometimes. Like flat Earth is fun to like watch those videos and oh. like see how these people try to explain how. <laughs> How the how they believe that the world is flat. This is kind of how I see this too. Is kind of an entertaining way to look at my what may have happened in some in some capacity. But there so, is
1: some fact in this, right? There is
0: some fact into like what these people are saying. So, uh, I'm gonna talk about what's called the stoned ape theory today. So, for those of you who don't know, before we became what we are now, we went through a series of or it's believed that we went through a series of evolutionary stages that got us to what we are today. Well, there was a period of time in which our brain significantly increased in size, allowing for that development and that transition into what we are today to ha- to occur at a much more um, accelerated rate than what had been happening previous to that. So one individual's theory, whose name is Terrence McKenna, his theory is that um, these humanoid, ape-like individuals might have consumed, um, mushrooms, like psilocybin mushrooms, which are mushrooms that cause, uh, psychedelic effects, um, that they took these mushrooms and that the effects that they had on these individuals, um, increased their capacity to hunt and kill prey in a more effective way. It increased their reproductive urges to populate the savannas in which they roamed at these early times. And then it also promoted uh, more peace and religion amongst these groups, which at this time, re- and even till today, religion brings people together. So if these experiences led to religious enlightenments like some people experience with those today, it would explain why some of these religions began to pop up and why we see ancient pyramids and that type of thing. So getting into a little more on the stoned ape theory it's not like people think that it's just as easy as oh they took some mushrooms and they developed into humans like that's not what they think they what these individuals Terrence mckenna and some other people theorize is that through the evolution of human beings alongside the help of these psilocybin mushrooms it was able to speed up evolution for these creatures because the effects that it gave them allowed them to be more productive in surviving. So it changed uh, the hardwires of their brains. Um, it gave them more cognition and more the ability to understand things around them and to understand, you know, what is, what is life? Like, what is experience? What is living? What is family? What is that type of thing? Um, and, These individuals also believe that language could have been founded during these experiences when you have deep thought that is being forced upon you by a plant. And one thing that they point to is that a lot of their diets probably would have consisted of um, protein and meat and that type of thing, but also a lot of plants because you're eating what you can find. So once humans and these humanoids started following cattle and they started doing that type of thing, these mushrooms would have started becoming more prevalent and they would have been able to be found more. So as those two things kind of coincide in happening with the evolution of humans, these the increase of the brain kind of begins to happen at the same time. So that's why these people uh, begin to entertain these theories.
1: So you, have, uh, you talk a lot about evolution. So where do, if you know, the, Neander- the Neanderthals fall into this?
0: So, the Neanderthals would be essentially at, like, this stage or a little before so. It's believed that Neanderthals are, like, was almost this a branch off of the same way that Homo sapiens is a branch off. So, we're essentially on the same part of the tree together. Okay. Except that lineage was cut off at some point and merged with what is now Homo sapiens. Yeah, because, like, some people have Neanderthal. Neanderthal DNA within them. That's because... The branches merged together and it became one so within that i would assume that they're probably included in that or that the things that became homo sapiens also maybe became um neanderthals but in this research it said that there were 23 different primates and humanoid uh beings that including humans and neanderthals that added mushrooms into the diet um, from then all the way through the century. So it's not out of the possibility that these people could have been taking these mushrooms and using their effects to, in their daily lives to enhance their abilities. One scientist came to say that human existence on this earth goes back an extraordinarily long time, most of which we have no information about and no idea what to think or where to draw conclusions on. It's entirely plausible given that indigenous people all around the world are known intimately to use plants and other plant life to change their consciousness and the different combinations of plant life that our prehistoric ancestors may have come across could have changed their experience and their consciousness
1: Hmm.
0: so through this essentially it's saying that these people were able to use these psychedelic mushrooms that they found to change the existence distance for them and increase the size of the brain obviously there's complexities into um, how it helped in the terms of evolution and what it did to change the framework and the connectivity of the brain because that's one thing that psilocybin mushrooms are um, being seen to do today so if people didn't know you can look it up psilocybin mushrooms are now being used as a therapy for people who have PTSD and some anxiety disorders because it brings to light um, traumas from your past and things that are truly bothering you and makes you face them head on Hmm. so a lot of some of the people that are being um, helped and that are going to these clinics in California and other places are uh, vets people who have been um, affected by sexual violence that type of thing Um, and it generally a lot some of them are being helped by this type of thing like vets are coming back and saying that their ptsd has been reduced because of these experiences like each time they go it's helped them each time so it's not a one one time cure all type thing but through different therapy sessions like it is helping them better understand why it's bothering them and what they can do to maybe change that
1: Hmm. that's interesting because you know uh like most people think that this is bad for you.
0: Yeah. it's And I never understood. I never even really knew what mushrooms were um, up until I was getting older. And, like, I started to hear about things that you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So, and through different theories like this and podcasts I've listened to and YouTube videos I've watched and Internet rabbit holes that I've gone down like you you see different things so it's it's interesting to hear these theories about uh, from the 70s that these people think and like some of the artwork that they would put out that they would describe about um, what different types of psychedelics uh, would produce in them or what they would see and then they would draw it so some of those are really interesting to look at and it's so fascinating to me that there is an entire um category of things that can change the way that you view the world yet it's not researched or interesting to people who are so interested in the way things work hmm. like it's just left misunderstood and essentially just thrown away because people don't want to put in the time to try to understand what the effects are and going even deeper like is it useful? Are there uses for this? Like essentially at the end of the day, like it comes from the earth, like it grows naturally. So it's, and it's survived this long for a a reason at some point. Like, so it's interesting to entertain the theory. So the other day when I was sitting in the parking lot at work, I was thinking about, you know, what me and Jimmy were going to do for the podcast. And I know that I had thought about talking about this and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna put my own spin on this theory. So Terrence McKenna talks about now like the apes and that type of thing, and that's cool. But I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a religious spin on this, and this is my just thinking at work while I was on my break. Those are uh, the
1: best times to think, dude. While
0: my mind wanders and it just goes where I let it go wherever it goes. So this is kind of where it went when I was thinking about it. So there is a possibility in it may be one in a trillion but there is a possibility that the adam and eve story is actually a telling of two individuals who found a plethora of psychedelic mushrooms so the story in adam and eve could be the awakening of these two individuals into the garden of eden because at the end of the day the story starts with adam awakening and then eve awakening from adam so if you would like to entertain the possibility that these were two people that were taking mushrooms, you could explain that the psychedelic trips that they would have been experiencing could explain what is called the Garden of Eden and the reason that we can't ever find where it is. Because this euphoric state, this state of being with God, this state of not caring whether you have clothes on or what you look like or who's around you or what and the interaction that you have with plants and animals and life on earth can be compared to similar experiences and comments that people make when taking these substances. Um, And that, you know, the fall from grace that people experience of talking to a snake could have been a bad experience while taking these drugs. And then once the effects ran out and there were no more mushrooms to keep the experience going, this is when these two people fell into the reality of what life is. They fell into pain they fell into trouble, and they had to really live life after being expelled from this state of euphoria and being with God.
1: So yeah, that sucked to be tripping for like years, and then you come down. And you're like, but Damn. they never
0: say how long Adam and Eve were in the garden. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. no, they never did. They never so there's did. no time set on it. Yeah. So it's just this place of euphoria and love with God that is never, it's never narrowed down to a place. So I think.
1: That's, with, that could be true. That's, with the holes, with the
0: holes in the story, I think you could entertain the idea. Yeah. that it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's fact or anything, but you know, it's it's fun to. Got to enter- throw out some theories. It's fun those, to entertain the theories yeah, once in a while.
1: That can that could be a true theory. I mean, I don't, I don't personally believe it,
0: but no, I don't think it's probably true. But you know, it's fun to it's fun to kind of piece the things together with what's there and mm-hmm. give a perspective that's not generally given. So, yeah. Alrighty, so, Jim, your theories were pretty interesting, man. I was, the DB Cooper one, that's the one that really stuck with me, though. Like, to think that this guy was able to pass a note and almost, that the first step of his plan almost messed up the entire thing is so funny to me. But going back to the fact that he was able to succeed in this plan and get away with it and still has is the only unsolved airplane hijacking ever. Like, that's crazy to me that in the 70s this was able to happen and we still have no clue.
1: Yeah. He had no no movie to watch to plan it out for him. <laughs> this and was like, his first –
0: this was, like, the first scenario. Yeah. So this was one shot, one go. Like, y- mm-hmm. you got to do it. There's no – yeah. And like you said, like, you would have had to have an understanding of where things were beforehand in order to give orders the way he was giving them calmly. Like – Somebody who doesn't know their surroundings wouldn't be calm. Like they'd be frantic in a situation like mm-hmm. that. And having a military background, like it suggested, and like that would definitely explain why it went as smooth as it did for this person. So, I think that theory is the most interesting for me. So, Jim, what what did what were your thoughts in mind? What What did you think was? Dude, the most interesting? I I love
1: both of them, but uh, your take on the last one, the uh, the psilocybin. Uh that's interesting. I haven't I haven't I don't know much about that. And it's
0: interesting it's an interesting topic. Like it's not very like I said it's not very much studied, mm-hmm. but it's getting there um as the years are going on, like it's starting to be allowed to be researched more. So as the years are going on, more truth and fact about what the effects are and how it works on the brain is being more understood by actual scientists and not just people who are experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So, I think that involvement of true like healthcare individuals and science in this will really begin to speed the process up of like acceptance and understanding of it. But I think it's re- I think it's a really cool topic to explore.
1: Yeah, and especially with the history history aspect. I really took history for granted in high school and you just talked about like like the Neanderthals, the historic part about it uh, is really interesting. I like that too.
0: I love history. I think without history you're pretty much lost like, yeah. to think that we can go and look up anything we want but in reality that's on the back of all the people who had to find that out like yeah. we take advantage of knowing whatever we want within seconds and it's just incredible to me
1: yeah and um, one part about like losing history is like the Egyptians built pyramids and like, what if we held on to that technology? Like, where would be where would we be at, we have we no be clue at today? Did that. Yeah, like if we held on to that technology throughout, like, how many thousands of years ago? Like, maybe we would have had electricity in like Jesus's time or something. You know, um, <laughs> not really. If, yeah, if but pass,
0: if Egyptians are air dropping there, yeah. their, <laughs> their plans for the pyramids. But in reality, it looks like pyramids are a worldwide phenomenon that was happening all the time back then. I don't know if you saw this recently, but it's been posted that, I mean, for those who are interested in history and interested in, like, Egyptian history and pyramids and, like, Amazonian type thing, everyone's known about this for a while, but for those, like, mainstream-wise, it's finally breaking mainstream. There's this, do you know what, uh, it's like, LADAR or something, do you know what that is? I haven't heard of it. It's laser, it's lasers that are sent down from these satellites that map out areas. And because the lasers can penetrate through leaves of the forest, they can see what's underneath these heavy jungles and these dense forests. Well, when they're scanning, they're finding entire cities, entire pyramid structures, like entire lost civilizations. And a lot of it is being attributed to when the settlers from Spain in those places came and visited them. The smallpox germs that they brought... Um wiped out these cities that's why when they talk about like the golden cities and when they came back later and they never found them they can't find these civilizations those diseases wiped out these people and decimated that's what the theories are anyway but it substantiates a lot of like why these places were abandoned and why these great civilizations that probably would be world powers at this point fell away at such an early time in their civilizations
1: Hmm. that's crazy Damn. I haven't actually heard about that. Oh, it's. I mean, I knew about like the Mayan temples and stuff. like so, that. So
0: no, this is like other stuff. So do you know about the Amazon rainforest or the Amazon forest?
1: Okay, actually, I think on Joe on Joe Rogan's podcast, mm-hmm. the the dude with like the white beard. Yeah, he, I loved listening Randall to Randall Carlson. Podcast. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. so
0: cool. He talks. He's a geologist, and all he talks about is like different things. He didn't talk about this stuff, but he talks about like uh, the true origins of the Atlantis stories and yeah. the possibilities of the actual locations. And like if you guys are interested listening to the podcast me and Jim can go and research this stuff. I mean there's some back. good
1: contenders for where Atlantis actually was. Yes, like
0: There's a bunch of different places where you can look at and be like it could be there.
1: Yeah. There's one I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but like in like the middle of a desert in Africa. So that's one
0: that everyone's on the fence about. There's a lot of people who think it's a possibility and there's others who don't. Um, around the outside edges of those are salt deposits. So that's why people are like, well, if there's salt there, there had to have been water there. And the way that it's configured in the circular spiral, um, it looks like, and the only information of Atlantis that we have to go on is a description by, I think, Plato or Socrates. It was one, is Plato or Socrates that they were telling, of uh, like the Great Walls, that were described that Atlantis had. And it was like thousands of years after the existence of Atlantis that one of these historians was recounting that, that had been told to him in his writings. So it's many years removed from when it actually happened. But those scientists like Randall Carlson talk about theories of like mass wipeouts that happened about like 12,500 years ago that decimated society and brought us down to like near extinction level. Hmm. but that we've built back. That's why, like, in reality, we should have a lot more people on Earth than we do, if you think about the timeline. But disease and global th- catastrophe is what comes and wipes us out, and, like, hmm.
1: almost population controls the human life. Have you heard about the, uh, how, like, the Amazon was planted? How it's in, like, lines? Yeah, and how most of the trees
0: are from four species, or they're mixes of the four species. It's, like, vanilla bean, um banana nut like and then there's like two others but hmm. those four main types of trees are what populates most of the forest and if you look at the way that it's lined up it's lined up in rows that are like symmetrically even and like the only possibilities that it was planted like there's no other explanation so some of those are really cool and me and Jim could definitely go into some of those yeah we could like, create a whole series on that yeah the ancient we could go on to A to the conspiracy theories oh, or yeah. just let us know what you guys want us to do. And maybe me and Jim will talk. Maybe we'll make like a social media page where you guys can put in requests for what you guys want to hear on the podcast. And me and Jim, maybe we'll make that happen. So, yeah.
1: Cause we don't really have a theme to our podcast. So we no, can... not
0: yet. So we kind of, whatever happens, happens, whatever yeah. we want, whatever you guys want to hear, we can do. So just give us feedback and let us know what you guys are thinking of the podcast so far. Cause me and Jim are really having fun doing this and each the... time, each time we get on, it's a little longer and a little easier to do, so. <laughs>
1: yeah, and um, this van is so hot right now. I am sweating through Indeed. multiple layers. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this so is. So, we'll have to figure
0: out a fan situation or something. Yeah, is, we're going to have to open
1: up the garage
0: or something. Yeah. Cause
1: it's about time to it's, end this. It's steamy, <laughs> so.
0: Thank you guys for watching. Thanks for taking a chance to listen to this podcast. And, again, let us know what you guys want to hear, and. We'll see you guys soon. Yeah. See ya. All right. Bye-bye.